Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Well, good morning, City Collective Church. So good to be with you. I'm grateful to Jason and Adriana for the invitation to speak to you this morning. Looking forward to unpacking what uh, God has shown us in his word. Uh, you know, just take a moment while, while we're together right now. I want to acknowledge uh, Jason and Adriana and the way that they've led uh, over this past season. Incredible. They've just done an incredible job of leading and leading you and leading themselves. I don't know many people that get married and then probably three months later are in the midst of a worldwide global pandemic. And there they are leading, newly married, uh, learning what it is to be a couple, and at the same time leading in a, in a, in a season that has been very, very difficult for leaders. So I wanna actually just commend them in front of you, commend them publicly. I've watched them, I've talked with them, I've worked with them. Uh, we've had great discussions about leadership and about your church and what a great church City Collective is. And part of that is Jason and Adriana as they lead. Part of that is each of you as you find your space and your place and you commit to being part of the building of God's great kingdom through City Collective. So can I ask you to do something right now? Uh, just take a moment and put something in the chat, a word that describes Jason and Adriana and their and word of appreciation to them and about them in the chat. And just let them know. The Bible talks about how encouragement is so, so important. And as, as when we're following someone, not only just to, to critique them, but also to encourage them. Do you know there's a lot of people out in the world that are full of critiquing? And most of us, I, let me tell you this. I have yet to meet somebody that says, stop encouraging me. That's too much. I meet many people, though, who are discouraged, who are overwhelmed, who are, are just have had enough. And in this past season, uh, there's been a lot of that. So not only to Jason and Adriana, but to one another, let's just be people of encouragement and life-giving in our comments and in our feedback to one another. Such a great, great thing that God's doing in and through you. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be unpacking and continuing along in your series on the Psalms or the Songs uh, of the Bible. And uh, we're going to be looking at one here in a moment. But hasn't it been hot? This summer has been an amazingly hot, and I'm talking a couple of weeks ago there where it was like uncharted territory of heat. And I know Adriana loves her hot time. She loves to be on a beach somewhere uh, enjoying the sun, and as, as do I, and I know, I know many of you do. After a long time of rain, we're ready for sun in the lower mainland. And right now, as we uh, go through this heat, it's so important that everything gets enough water, whether that's us, whether that's our pets, whether that's our, our plants. Everything that's living requires water and enough of it. I don't know about you, but there, there have been times and spaces where I have not uh, hydrated myself enough, and I've experienced the results of that. And we have a plant that is right on our front doorstep, and uh, we had bought it, and Shanda was so happy she got it on sale and everything like that, and it was near the end. It was a beautiful plant. Uh, but in the middle of that heat wave, we have plants on the front and we have plants on the back of our house. And 
because we were in the backyard a lot, the ones that are in the back got watered every day, sometimes twice a day when it was really, really hot. But the one on the front, it got missed one day. And I tell you what, it was so wilted. And we, we said, oh, man, we got to make sure we water it. And we forgot the second day. By then, it was too far gone. That plant that had needed water desperately in a, in a really hot time uh, didn't receive that care from us. And in fact, not only wilted, but it eventually and is now in the, the green bin and providing uh, compost for our, our city. So that's the way it happens sometimes. Um, and the reality is that in, in the natural, uh, dehydration can cause all kinds of symptoms, such as thirst, such as headache, weakness, dizziness, or fatigue, and generally just makes you feel tired and lethargic. I don't know if you've ever experienced that a day at the beach. You just come home and you're like, man, I'm so tired. Sometimes it's just simply because you're dehydrated. Uh, and dehydration can also lead to loss of strength. It can lead to loss of stamina. It's the main cause of heat exhaustion. You should be able to reverse, reverse dehydration at this stage if you just simply get the water into you, and sometimes even more than that. We had someone call us in the middle of the heat wave that needed us to take them to the hospital because they were, had let their dehydration go too far, and they needed to get fluids into them by an IV. But dehydration that's ongoing can affect you in a long-term way as well. So it's super important that we hydrate properly. And you're talking, Craig, I thought this was a church service. Why, why are you giving us medical advice? And I'm not. I just want to draw the parallel that life can be hot and can be dry sometimes. Life can have times where it just seems so to suck the life and the energy out of you. And we're going to look today at a psalm or a song of, of, of the Bible in Psalm chapter 42. And I think that it's already been read. And so I'm going to move into it. But it's a hymn song, which simply means it's a song or a psalm that's meant to be sung. And it was, it says it in probably in your Bible, if you're there, Psalm 42, it says a, a song of the sons of Korah. And that was basically the worship team of the temple of those days. And, and so they would sing this song. But there are many commentators who feel that because of the first person nature of it and the content of it, that although the sons of Korah sang it, David the famous David of the Bible, David and Goliath David, he actually wrote this song. And they feel that perhaps he wrote it when he was on the run. He was on the run either from Saul, who was a king that was after David, when before David became king, attempting to kill him, to take him out, or it was after David was king when his son, his own son, his own flesh and blood had betrayed him and was attempted to, attempting to usurp him as a king. So in either case, Someone that should have loved him and been for him was pursuing him. And he was in a space where he was just not feeling good. Someone said that poetry and singing exist because God made us with emotions, not just thoughts. And this psalmist is trying to describe, he's trying to describe how he feels. And so he uses an analogy of a deer, a deer that he says, I feel like I'm a deer panting for water. Just so, so thirsty. And we don't know why that deer was panting. Was it because he was running for his life from a, from a cougar or a bear? We don't know if it was uh, sim more simply because there just wasn't water around or it had been a really hot season. Regardless of the reason, this deer 
was super, it says he was panting. And, and sometimes when you're panting, or animals pant, it's another way of just trying to cool down. And the psalmist is reminding us that sometimes you can be thirsty because there's an enemy going after you, something from the outside, or sometimes it can simply be because you're in a season or a time or a space where you haven't accessed water or you can't find the water. And the analogy of a thirsting, panting deer was the writer attempting to show how he was feeling in that moment. He said, he just talked, trying to describe, I feel emotionally and spiritually overwhelmed. I, I, feel, I feel dry. I feel, I feel desperate. I feel worn out. Have you ever been there before? Maybe you're there right now. Where you feel like a little dry, a little bit overwhelmed. Maybe a little pessimistic. Maybe a little withdrawn because you just feel like I'm just trying to survive. I feel so thirsty and I'm not sure why. And we notice when someone is thirsty in a natural thirst, they feel headache, weakness, loss of strength, stamina. But note as well that you can reverse the effects if you simply get water. When we are spiritually dry or thirsty, the symptoms are not much different than the natural. The psalmist throughout this chapter gives us some clues where he talks about what it means to be thirsty. He says he feels it emotionally and at times he's even crying. He uses words that I feel distant from God. He remembers what was the good and he can't recall what is good right now. He recognizes that there were times when he felt more joy. There was times when he felt more thankful. He feels like he's alone, or maybe is actually alone. He notes that he feels anxious at times. He feels disturbed. He feels restless. Have you ever been there before? In some of those words, fighting for hope, fighting for faith, worn out, distressed, disturbed, any of those words. And too often, many of us, myself included, in my desire to be positive and keep moving forward, don't want to stop long enough and simply ask, why? Why am I this way right now? Why am I feeling this way? I love the reality that David shows us here, though. He, he asks himself the question, why why am I so downcast? Why am I feeling down? Why am I feeling disturbed? What's going on? Not only acknowledging that this is what I feel, but a wise person will stop long enough to ask the question, why do I feel this way right now? Why am I disturbed? Why are you stuck? Why are you apathetic? Why do you feel so angry? Why do I feel so sad? Why do I feel resentful? And it's important when we feel what, we, what the psalmist says is thirsty, it's important that we take a step back and ask ourselves, what's going on? Why am I feeling this way? Ask God in prayer. Ask someone you know that's for you. What, why, what, why? I don't understand what's happening. Ask your doctor. Ask your counselor. Ask your pastor. Ask somebody, why am I feeling this way? Because my experience has been that we don't reflect well. We don't stop and ask the hard questions of what's going on on the inside of us. We don't want to question our feelings and our thoughts. So we either run with them or we try 
maybe to ignore them. Some people tend to deny that anything is going on on the inside. And some, it's a, a hot button word now called toxic positivity, putting a positive spin on everything. And I, I'm probably guilty of that myself because I don't like sitting in spaces where I don't know what's going on, where I have to be a little bit introspective and try to feel what, what's really happening on the inside. Or we distract ourselves with endless scrolling and binge watching. Some of you put your hand up because that's you. Or maybe we escape to food or to illicit sex or to pornography or to some kind of alcohol or some other drug. Or we just keep running and working because we don't want to stop and face what's going on on the inside. And we stay thirsty. Never finding rest. Never finding renewal. Never finding the shalom or the peace or the rest of God and living at far less than the abundant life that Jesus came and died for and purchased for you. Notice I said abundant means it's overflowing with God's goodness. It doesn't mean everything is always good, but it talks about the presence of God in the middle of it all. And sometimes we get stuck in a space. But I want to say to us this morning that this psalm is so encouraging in the middle of it all. Because it reminds us that God is interested in us where we're at. Not where we wish we were, not where we think we should be, not where others think we should be, but right where we are right now. God is interested in what's going on around you, but more importantly, what's going on inside of you and inside of me. But just like in the natural, if we don't address the thirst issue, it could end up in catastrophe for our faith, for our health, for our relationships, and so many things. Remember, many, many years ago, a pastor friend of mine told me this story of a, as a young man having a TR6. TR6 is a great British kind of sports car, a little, little small one, but this one would have been probably in the 1970s, beautiful little car. And, but my, my pastor friend at that time, he was not mechanical at all. And uh, so he told me about this time where the red, a red light came on on the dash, and he didn't know what that means, and, and he just ignored the red light. In fact, after a while, it kind of bothered him, so he put a piece of tape over that red light so that he wouldn't have to look at the red light on the dash. And he tell, told me that he did that, and not long after that, he was driving along on the highway, and suddenly, boom, the car stopped, and he had to pull over. The engine had simply stopped working. And of course, if you're a car person already, you know what I'm talking about. That red light was indicating that there wasn't enough oil. The vehicle was overheating and it needed oil. It needed attention. It wasn't a bother, bothersome thing. It was simply indicating that under the hood, there were some issues that needed to be dealt with. And if he ignored it, because he ignored it, the vehicle suddenly came to a stop, even though it had been happening over time and he was unaware of it simply because the car needed oil. Our feelings are similar to that red light. They are there to send a message. They are simply saying, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling distressed, when you're feeling discouraged, when you're feeling apathetic, whatever it is, they're sending a message. It may be wrong or it may be right, but they're simply sending a message, hey, I want to flash a red light right now because I want 
you to give attention to something that's going on. Something is out of order on the inside. And our feelings are meant to be indicators for us, not dictators of us. In other words, our feelings are simply there to give a message, not to direct our lives. We hear the message and then we process what's going on so that we can make a good and a healthy and a wholesome step, not reactionary to our feelings or being led by our feelings, but hearing the message and then from our inside out, ruling ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit, not being directed by our feelings, but being directed by God. See, when David re reads this, he reminds me, he says, if I feel like saying to me, Craig, why are you feeling that right now? Maybe to you. Do you have the courage, Craig? Do you have the courage to ask why? Why what? What's going on? And then after the why, and then, then what are you going to do about it? Because that why is important. Why am I so downcast? Why am I feeling this way? And in Psalm 42 and 5, he says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Then he says, put your hope. Somebody say hope. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The New American Standard says the same version. says, why are you in despair, my soul? And why are you restless within me? Wait for God, for I will again praise him for the help of his presence. The NIV uses the word hope, while the NASB or the New American Standard uses the word wait. Same word, different emphasis. The word hope carries the meaning of waiting with confident expectation. It's kind of like leaning out when the bus is coming and you're watching for it to come down the street and you know it's coming, you have that expectation and you're waiting for it to come. Or maybe even more appropriately, uh, when you have, you know when you've ordered food and you're watching it on your Uber Eats or your Skip the Dishes or whatever, and you can watch that guy, Sally or John or, or Raminder, and, and they're, they can see their car on the map and you're watching it getting closer and closer. You can't wait for it. You are hoping for that food to come through. Somebody to knock on the door, you get the food and you're just hope and waiting with expectation for the food to arrive. And that's a little bit about what this word hope and wait are. And when we see that, he says, why so downcast? Put your hope in God and he will bring... Uh, and." Let me read that again. Wait for God. He says, why are you in despair? Why are you restless? Wait for God. If despair and restlessness are the result of not waiting, then hope and peace are the results of waiting. So then, why is it then that waiting on God is so often the last thing we do or we compromise on it and rush it through? Or how often do we wait with our timetable rather than simply trusting God for who he is and what he's doing. Waiting with the expectation of the outcome that I want is not true waiting. And it leads to restlessness and despair. Benny Liebscher of Jesus Culture wrote this. He said, waiting is countercultural and teaches us to be content in every season. Waiting, he said, is a form of surrender because it's a recognition that God is in control of our timelines and he's trustworthy. It's a sign of our priorities because what we wait for reflects what we value. Waiting. Wait on the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Thirsty, tired, distressed. Instead, wait or hope on the Lord. 
Waiting on God is so powerful to filling you from the inside, to satisfying the, the thirst and the ache of our soul. Waiting on God can do so much more than binging on a Netflix show, than the alcohol, than the pornography, than whatever it is, than the denial that never meets the need of our heart. But God says, wait on me. In Isaiah 40 and 31, it says, but they who wait for the Lord, the NIV says those that hope in the Lord, they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. For the, for, for the thirsty soul, we must learn to wait on God. And hear, hear this, somebody needs to hear this. Sometimes we run from stillness and we end up in illness. Illness of our heart, broken heart, illness of our body, illness of our mental health. When sometimes we just need to simply step back and wait and hope in God again. I will wait on God and have renewed strength. I will wait on God and I will get a, I will soar like an eagle and get a perspective on what's going on that I simply don't have right now. But as I wait on God, I can run. And not grow weary. As I wait on God, I can walk and not give up. And David challenges himself in this. And he says, as he waits, he says, put your hope in God. You know, sometimes you have to speak to yourself. Sometimes you have to preach to yourself. There's nobody around except you and God in that moment. And sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Sometimes you have to get up when all you want to do is lay down and say, soul, put your hope in God. Because people will fail you at times. Finances will fail you at times. Your job will fail you at times. Your courage will fail you at times. And there has to be something as a follower of Jesus that goes down deeper than just what's around me, but goes inside to the God that's inside of me if you're a follower of Jesus. So how do I wait? I'm thirsty. The answer is to wait. But how do I wait? It's interesting that Jesus addressed thirst too. In John 7 and 37, he says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty, get this, he said, Come to me and drink. In other words, I am the source. That's what makes Christianity different than any other religion. Christianity says that we, we cannot in ourselves save ourselves. We can't change ourselves. But we have a God who makes a way. We have a God who forgives our sins. We have a God who gives us grace to overcome. We have a God who's not a God out there. He's a God inside of us, helping us and strengthening us and bringing his very life inside of us. Jesus is our source, not a pep talk. Not an emotional high, not, a, not, a, not enough finances, not having enough friends. It's Jesus. And David goes on to show us how to wait and how to quench the thirst of our souls. And just few things and then we'll be done. It, first is that he said, I'm going to praise God for what he has done. Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him. Praise is powerful to lift you. And I know that sometimes you don't feel like praising and Hebrews 13 and 15, I think it is, says, we bring a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, where we simply begin to remind ourselves of what God has done in our lives to this point. Praise will strengthen you. Praise will encourage you. Praise will simply begin to recount to you what God has done. 
Praise reminds me. I can begin to proclaim, my God is for me. I can begin to say that God is with me. My God has provided for my needs. I can begin to remind myself that it's not over until he says it's over. It's not, I am not done until he says I'm done. And that's the power of praise. It begins to shift the atmosphere in, around you. You begin to notice things begin to shift on the inside. And that doesn't preclude you going to the counselor. It doesn't preclude you going to a doctor. It doesn't preclude you talking to your pastor, having someone praying for you. But your first step is often to begin to be a person that begins to praise in the middle of the problem. Acts 16, 23 to 25, uh, Paul and Silas, two men of God, were had been beaten, had been put in, uh, uh, locked up in stocks, and then put into the innermost jail on the inside. And it says, it, and it says around midnight, they began to praise and to pray and to worship. And what happened was in the darkest time of the night, when things were at their worst, they began to lift up praise. It doesn't make sense naturally. But let me tell you that when you begin to praise in the natural, the supernatural begins to show up. For Saul, uh, for Paul and Silas, what showed up is that the prison doors swung open. The chains fell off their wrists and God moved and moved in a powerful, powerful way. Now, you're not always going to have earthquake moments. But you're always going to have moments where God begins to shift your perspective and minister to you on the inside. As you praise him, he begins to minister to you. And then David continues on in the second wave where in verse 6 he says, my soul is downcast within me. It's almost like, and, and it's so real, where you're like, I'm making a step forward and boom, there you come backward. And David is feeling that again, that I'm moving, but it's a little bit bumpy right now. But he goes on to say, my soul is downcast within me in verse 6. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan to the heights of Hermon. Then David shows the way again in the midst of thirst as we fight for hope, as we fight to fill the thirst of our soul. He said, therefore, I remember who God is. And it's the words there from the, you say, why is he talking about Jordan and Hermon? Jordan is, is the lowest part of the land. That's, that's where the Jordan River flowed into the Dead Sea. It was the lowest part of the land. Mount Hermon was the highest part. It's one of the mountains, one of the highest mountains in Israel. And what he was saying in that moment is, I remember that God has been with me from my lowest times when I didn't know which way to turn, when I didn't know which way to look. God has been with me from that way. And he's been with me on the mountaintop when everything is working out, when, when things are working the way that I thought that they would, when I'm walking on air and everything is just coming together in a great way. In either space, God is with me. From my lowest parts of my life in the season where everything is going well, God is with me. The God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. So wherever you're at or in between, the, remind ourselves, therefore, I will remember you, God. I remind myself that God is good, that God is loving, that God is for me. I remind myself that he is empowering me, that he is my provider. I remind myself that he will never leave me or forsake me. I remind myself that greater is he that's within me than anything that's in the world. I remind myself that he forgives me when I do things again and again. I remind myself that he is always working in the middle of difficult situations to turn them around for my good and for his glory, that God is working in the middle of it all, that that's who he is. And then David continues on. So not only does he start with praise and not only does he remember who God is, 
He also then goes on in verse nine, verse eight and nine. By day the Lord directs his his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? By day, God directs and orders and points his love for me. When things are going well, when I see in the full light of day that everything is working out, I sense and know his love. But also when it's dark, when I can't see well, when I'm confused, I love that it also reminds me, it doesn't matter when I don't know where to go or how to do it, that he is right there with me, right there with you. And David goes on to not only praise, to not only remember God for who he is, but then he also begins to turn to prayer for what God is doing. I say to the Lord, my rock, why have you forgotten me? What an interesting and honest prayer that reflects many of our own heart contradictions. In one moment, he's proclaiming, you are God, my rock. I'm building my life on you. Its stability is found in you. You're everything to me. And then in a moment, he flips and he says, but I feel forgotten. I feel alone. We've all been there in that space and place between where our faith says, God is my rock and my fortress. In him I trust. Yet I feel this right now. And I have something that I remind our church of regularly. There's, my, there's God's ideal and there's my real. And in the space, God fills it with grace. My God's ideal, my real, and then there's grace for the space. And God's helping me. And that's why it's so important, like the psalmist, to pour out our hearts. That's part of the way that God refreshes you because when you pour out what's on your heart, and David pours out as you continue to read on complaints about, I feel alone, I feel like the enemy is just accusing me, I feel just all these things I feel right now. And sometimes stuffing them and running from them and doing all the things that we do will never solve the issue of our heart because the things of our heart are meant to be processed. They're not meant to be ignored. They're not meant to be put aside. They're not meant to be stuffed. They're not meant to be run from. They're not meant to be medicated. They're meant to be processed. And one of the greatest ways that you can process is as David shows and model for us, I pray to God, my rock. Don't pack on yourself what is meant to be prayed off onto Jesus. Don't pack on yourself what's meant to be prayed off to Jesus. First Peter 5 and 7, we are reminded of Jesus. that says to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. It's one of those most powerful things that we can do is prayer unburdens our heart. And in its place, God gives grace. Grace for your journey. Grace for what you're going through. Grace for the difficulty. Grace to see the next step. Thirsty. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I want to remind you today. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David's reminding us, the thirsty the weary, the discouraged, the frustrated, the anxious one, wherever you're at in your feelings, whatever. Why so downcast? Why so distressed? Why so anxious? 
Put your hope in God today. And see that what God would do, as Jesus said, and we referred to it earlier, that everyone that's thirsty, come unto me and drink. And David models a way forward for us through praise, through praising God for what he's done, remembering God for who he is, and praying off what Jesus wants to carry for us. Because when you're thirsty, you don't think right, you don't feel right, you don't act right. But when you're full from the inside, by the river of God in you, Jesus himself, suddenly you be, your relationships become better. Your perspective is more accurate. Your heart is more open. Your hands are more willing to serve. Your feet are more willing to go wherever God would call you. Because instead of being thirsty on the run, instead of being thirsty, not being able to move, you're filled. And as Ephesians 5 and 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit begins to come out of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, long-suffering, and so on and so on. But it starts with, why? Why so downcast? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Let me pray for you, and then I'm going to turn it over for the close. Lord Jesus, we thank you for everyone listening right now. We thank you for their lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us in dry seasons, when we feel like we're on a run, when we feel overwhelmed, when we're not even sure what's going on. We're thankful that you will help us. You will show us why. You will help us to process what's going on in our life. And in it all, that you simply want to fill us with more of your presence, more of your power, more of your grace. And so I ask, Lord, maybe you this morning need to uh, do this regularly with, with uh, our church. I say just to put my hand like a cup and, and just mentally think of the things that are, are on your heart right now that are kind of robbing you of, or robbing you of your vitality or concerning you or frustrating you. And put them there. And imagine and think of them yourself, putting them into your hands, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to just release them to the Lord. And so, Lord, as we take a moment and we think about those things, we, we just cast all our cares on you because you care. We release, Lord, Lord, where there needs to be forgiveness, may there be quick forgiveness. Where there needs to be uh, restoration, may there be restoration. Where there needs to be healing, we invite your healing presence. We invite you, Jesus, and help us to process what's going on so that we can be be and experience the life flow of God in us, giving us abundant life. So we release it all to you in Jesus' name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you soon. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.